0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Dear Future Hubby Podcast. I am your host, Therese Reese, and normally what I do is read a poem from my book of poetry entitled, A Strong-Willed Mind, Healing Scars Over Time Through My Poetry. So, today... I will not disappoint you. (laughs) I will go ahead and read a poem from my book of poetry. So here we go. It is called, I Choose to Smile. In spite of everything that I've been through, there is a song inside of my heart. God has defeated my enemies Right from the very start, when I look back over my life and all that I've been through, I can't help but lift up my hands in total praise and worship. God has proven himself to me over and over again. I could have stayed bitter, but that would defeat the purpose. Because no matter how bad things ever got, they've never outweighed the good. He's shown me so much favor. He protected me from this world. I am his grateful child. And my gratitude shows from the inside out. My life he truly cares about, which is why I choose to smile. So I hope that y'all have had the most amazing evening, morning, afternoon, whenever it is that you hear this episode. However, today I wanted to talk about abandonment trauma or we could say abandonment issues, whichever you prefer. So for those of you that listen to my episodes on a regular basis, you know that I love to at least provide some sort of definition in terms of the word or words that I am honing in on during my episodes. And so this is no different. (laughs) So what exactly does the dictionary say about The word abandon. According to the Oxford Languages Dictionary, it means to cease to support or look after someone. It also means to desert or to give up completely, whether it be a course of action, a practice, or a way of thinking. The act or fact of abandoning or being abandoned. Here we go. Are you someone who knows that you suffer from abandonment trauma? I am someone who learned this over time. It took many hours of therapy for this particular conclusion to be drawn. But what exactly is abandonment trauma? I'm so glad you asked. Abandonment trauma is when someone has an experience or a series of experiences which causes them to feel alone, insecure, or unsafe, especially in terms of their childhood. If you are someone who suffers from anxiety or you may suffer from distrust, if you do some shadow work, You just may discover over time that these feelings, which may tend to overwhelm you sometimes, actually stem from your experience or your experiences with abandonment trauma. For me, this took shadow work, a whole lot of it, and therapy sessions. And in my honest opinion, self-care is of the utmost importance when you are dealing with any form of, dra- of trauma and or drama. <laughs> Abandonment trauma included. When you begin to make yourself a priority and you care for the matters of your own heart, addressing those things which affect your overall heart posture as well, you will begin hopefully to see where this stems from. But this not only helps you to become more aware of those things which trigger you, it also helps to develop the necessary tools you need to combat anxiety if and when it arises. Now, for some of you, the abandonment trauma may be so overwhelming that it requires medication for you to feel as if you have a better grasp on this condition. Please make sure the medication is prescribed by your doctor or therapist or psychiatrist. The list goes on. Just make sure it's, you know, someone that's professional. Um, Nevertheless, you should never attempt to address your traumatic experiences alone. Trying to do so could lead to even more trauma if you are not careful. Now, I am not a psychiatrist. I am not a psychologist. I am not a doctor. I am not a counselor by profession. However, who I am is merely someone who has been through entirely way too much in my lifetime. And I have opted to use this platform in hopes that by sharing my own personal experiences, it could help someone to heed the warning signs and avoid having similar experiences all the way around when it comes to negative experiences. Or if you're someone who has experienced something very similar to me, It's my hope that the tools I am providing you will give you the push you need to overcome whatever obstacles are in your way right now. Bottom line, I am hoping that the information that I share helps somebody and not just me. Let's move forward, shall we? Now, are you someone who suffers from post-traumatic stress disorder after experiencing abandonment trauma? If you are, how exactly would you know, right? Well, I'm just going to name a few things or a few ways that you may be able to recognize that this is something that you are experiencing. So if you have your moments of anxiety and insecurity, if you suffer from depression, if you suffer from low self-esteem, If you have a low sense of self-worth, if you have a poor self-image of yourself, and you may tend to shame yourself, if you have these feelings that you are inadequate or that you're not enough, if you experience feelings of helplessness, If you find it hard to form healthy relationships, whether they are in your younger years or in your latter seasoned years. If you have a genuine fear of being abandoned and or left behind, you may be experiencing post-traumatic stress disorder after having encountered abandonment trauma. However, as I literally was stating some of those symptoms or some of those signs or some of those red flags, the very last thing that I stated in terms of experiencing PTSD after abandonment trauma, an example came to my mind. So the last thing that I stated was if you have a genuine fear of being abandoned or left behind. So, I'm going to give you an example. And for those of you who listen to my episodes on a pretty regular basis, you know that I love to give examples. And so, this time, I'm going to use myself as an example. (laughs) I do that a lot, too. So, a few months ago, my sweetheart invited me to go with him on a road trip to another city because a friend of his was having A christening for his wife and, I mean, (laughs) with his wife for their child, their son. Now, although he is very much aware, I'm talking about my sweetheart, of my past because I've been very, very transparent from day one. um, And because we have very in-depth conversations about my past traumas and about his past traumas, just so that way we're not... Walking blindly in this getting to know one another, uh, and he doesn't operate the way some people have in my past. I've noticed, he has too, that anxiety will still rear its ugly little head. Now, although I say little, those who truly suffer from anxiety know that it can appear to be as gigantic. As anything else when facing anxiety head on. And I get that. However, I'm saying little on purpose because the more we begin to face our fears head on over time, the smaller those mountains become. That's just my personal opinion. So in regards to my example, anxiety crept in as we were preparing for our trip out of town. And while he was away doing all that he could on his end to prepare for the trip, like putting gas in his vehicle um, and whatever else, I had these thoughts. And they went a little something like this. He is not taking me on this trip. He just wanted to be nice. He's probably already there by now. So where exactly did those thoughts come from? You may wonder. I wondered too. Well, for starters, just to let you know, this particular individual has not abandoned me. In fact, he has done the complete opposite and has been present during each traumatic experience I have encountered since he and I became friends. So there was really no truth. To those thoughts. But they popped up anyway. And they were very convincing at the time. So much to the point. That I literally had. A panic attack. A panic attack. Anxiety attack. Whatever you want to call it. And by the time he showed up on the scene. He was under the impression. That I was upset about. Something totally different. He thought I was upset because he opted to switch vehicles at the last minute. But that wasn't what it was. So when I took a moment to explain to him the reason, he sat me down and then we began to unpack where exactly those thoughts were coming from. Then he gave me the biggest hug and said, I wouldn't do that to you. I want you to be by my side on this trip. So how many of y'all know that reassurance can go a real long way, especially when you are someone who is suffering from PTSD pertaining to really any kind of trauma? But right now we're talking about abandonment trauma. And that was one of the best road trips I have ever taken to date. However, did y'all hear How or can you think or imagine how those thoughts would have impacted not only the trip, but the conversation had they been left unaddressed? Had they not been cast down? How things would have ended with potentially more trauma? All because If I would have opted, I didn't opt to do that. I did the opposite of what I was. I didn't bottle it up like the old me used to I actually took a moment to address where are those thoughts coming from? What I will say, though, is that there are times depending on when you are having a panic attack. And this, I believe, comes with therapy and skill and practice. There are times when you're having an anxiety attack that you may. Choose to be silent. And in that particular atmosphere, that is using wisdom. I remember times where I did not know that that's what was taking place with me and I would have an all, I mean, a a huge panic attack. And I didn't know that that's what it was. And so it played out in a very volatile way because I didn't know that I was having an anxiety attack. And so the way that I reacted was not the best way. And so I believe that it's wisdom. I believe using wisdom, sometimes you do have to just not say anything um, and kind of allow that emotion to kind of pass through. And then once you're in a safe atmosphere, unpack that emotion. So that way you're acknowledging it as it's taking place, but you're not giving it so you're not giving it a voice on purpose. That's something that takes practice. Trust me. It's something that takes practice. And I have learned when to express and when not to express and how to revisit it later. And so it'll go something like this. Okay, so, you know, that moment when we were in line and all of a sudden I just kind of like started shaking my leg. I didn't understand it at the time, but when that gentleman was standing behind me and he was getting a little bit too close, it made me feel nervous. And I literally was having an anxiety attack. Oh, that's what it was? Okay. Well, so we now know that if we get in a public place and someone is standing too close, I'll just put my hand behind you or you can just take a couple of steps up and then that way, hopefully that'll ease that anxiety. Okay. So that's how it goes whenever you take time out to process it before you say something. Um, But this brings me to another point. A solid support base is imperative when it comes to coping with abandonment issues or just trauma, period. Period. You have to have a good support system in order for you to, in order to help you heal. Now, there's a, a verse in the Bible that says two are better than one. Um, I don't have that whole passage memorized, but I'm going to use that example. Two is better than one, when especially when it comes to your healing process, because the only way that you're going to know that you are healing in certain areas is if you literally have a reflection. If you have someone in front of you who can show you, ooh, you're still tender in that area. You need to do some more shadow work. Ooh, nope, that's still a trigger for you. You need to do some more shadow work. Ah, you haven't forgiven this person. You need to do some more shadow work. So it takes a reflection. It takes someone else for you to be able to recognize where you still need to heal. Doing it by yourself, you could say all day long, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm whole, I'm whole, oh yes. But are you really? As long as you're by yourself, how are you gonna know that? <laughs> you're gonna tell, you'll, you'll convince yourself of that, but it literally takes another person and when you're in a situation for you to recognize, ooh, you know what? I think I'm I'm healed as long as I don't cross that that threshold. As long as we don't talk about it, I'm good. Well, then you still need to heal. So that's just something to keep in mind. I truly believe that two is better than one in that regard. And having someone to hold you accountable when it comes to your healing process will, I mean, I believe that eventually you'll be great that you had someone to hold you accountable. Self-care is also just as important. So, how can we heal from abandonment trauma? I just spoke about it, but I'm going to speak about it again because that's how important I think that it is. Create a solid support system. Now, only you know what it takes and what it looks like when others are supportive of you. I'm not saying that you're going to always know because sometimes you don't know. Some people, they feel as if they don't need affection. And then they find out later that they have created a wall because of their traumatic experience. But then once they're in a safe place, they come to realize oh, wait a minute, I love holding hands. Oh, wait a minute, I love when you touch the small of my back. Oh my God, I love when you kiss me on my forehead. Oh, I love when you kiss me on the back of my hand. Oh my God, I love when you give me a hug. Sometimes you don't know that until you're put in a situation where it's safe, and then someone starts to express themselves that way, and you're just like, wait a minute, that I feel comforted that I like that. But if you had a traumatic experience before, you may say that you don't like that. I hope that makes sense. It made sense in my head. <laughs> okay, so only you know what it looks like when others are supportive of you. When you find those persons who accept you for who you are, allow them to hold up your arms during those moments when it seems like you can no longer do it alone. My support system consists of a lot of people. And there are times when I may call the majority of those people. We're just going to put a number out there. I'm going to say number eight. Eight is the number of new beginnings. So, um... There are times that I may call all eight people just to make sure that the conclusion that I'm drawing is an accurate one, just to make sure that I'm not going down the wrong path. But then there's other times that I may only call three of the eight people because the decision is not, it's not as heavily weighted, if that makes sense. So I'm not going to incorporate more people when it's something that really is just like, okay, let me just make sure that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm thinking straight and I'm not tripping. (laughs) <laughs> That's the way I look at it. So I may call two or three people to be like, okay, I just want to make sure that this ain't just me. Is it just me? Let me know, girl. Let me know, boy, let me know. And um go from there. So it just depends on your support group can be as big or as small as you need it to be. But just make sure you have at least one person aside from yourself to help you stay accountable. Once your support team has been put into place. Hopefully, this is when you can start working on trusting people again. Yeah, I said it. When you have experienced trauma of any form, even though right now we're talking about abandonment trauma, it may be hard for you to trust anyone. Because until you replace those negative thoughts with positive thoughts, or those negative experiences with positive experiences, your memory bank is going to always bring back those negative experiences until you consciously make a decision to replace it with something better. One of the ways that you could do that is by surrounding yourself with a great support system because they will help you uproot the bad memories and replace those bad memories with good memories. And I'm not saying that your bad memories will be erased, but at least when you think about that initial experience, you can automatically go to, oh, but I did, you know, yeah, that happened. But guess what? I went, you can change the trajectory by replacing it with a good thought. Also, if you are someone who has never meditated a day in your life, Maybe because you were told that it was the devil. Some of y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. However, I am here to debunk that belief. Meditation is your friend, not your enemy. When you meditate, this allows you to center yourself as well as center your thoughts. Once you have centered your thoughts, you can become more aware of self. By becoming more aware of self, you are able to discern when certain thoughts are not in alignment with your highest frequency. This will give you the power to cast those thoughts down a whole lot faster, although you are aware of their existence. Once you have casted those bad thoughts down, you are able to focus on the good energy, the high frequency, and meditate on those things which are true, which are a virtue, which are praiseworthy of good report. You can take that energy and focus on those things. This is an example of mindfulness or meditation, and it is a great way, in my opinion, for you to heal your inner self. Remember, as with anything Practice makes perfect. Which brings me to my next point. Practice meditation. Practice mindfulness. Learn how to center yourself. This also helps you to take the dragon of anxiety to take it down. If it's done correctly. There are books out there. On meditation and mindfulness, grab you a few and start your own mindfulness journey or your own mindfulness journal. So what I noticed um one of the things that i've have meditated on or <laughs> yeah meditated one of the things I've meditated on for a lot of years now is forgiveness and Initially, I wasn't doing it because I wanted to do it. (laughs) Initially, I was doing it because I knew that I had to do it. And I kept hearing how forgiveness, like when you forgive others, you're not freeing them, you're freeing yourself. And I had been so much in bondage by the beliefs of others that it was literally stifling me mentally, emotionally, physically, and I was an angry, angry, angry individual. So I didn't realize it at the time, but because I made a conscious effort by praying about forgiveness, I was learning how to hone in on that, especially when I would get into situations where I felt like what the individual or individuals were doing were acts were literally unforgivable acts. But what I recognized is that when I started viewing them and meditating on forgive them father for they know not what they do toward me and it was almost as if if, if they knew who I was and you they wouldn't dare. So it's like the more that I started focusing on forgiving people it didn't stop traumatic experiences from taking place. Not at all. Kind of wish it would've, but it didn't. I feel like more came in my direction when I'm looking back, more trauma came. But what I began to recognize is that I, it being quick to forgive them, it happened faster. So my forgiveness got stronger. That arena got stronger, that will got stronger, the, the need to forgive got stronger to the point that eventually over time, I would be a part like, you know, I would know that this happened to me. I would know that this person did this to me. I would be able to tell you from beginning to end how everything went down. But over time, the way that I viewed that person was disconnected to the offense So I started seeing them how God saw them, not how I saw them. And so then it became, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Because I started to recognize that hurting people hurt people. Sometimes they do it intentionally. Sometimes they do it unintentionally. And the more that I started to recognize that every offense is not an intentional offense, I stopped taking it as personal. Now, I was still impacted by it. I was still affected by it, but I didn't take it as personal as I once did. In fact, I started being empathetic toward the individual and feeling sorry for the individual to a certain degree because I'm just like, you just don't know any better. This is your defense mechanism. This is how you quote, unquote, guard your heart. You don't really know the magnitude of what type of, if you knew the magnitude of what you were doing to hurt me, nine times out of 10, you wouldn't do it. But because all you're feeling is pain and you want me to hurt like you hurt, you're doing it. So the more that I started to recognize that, The more I, the more I just kind of like started detaching myself from taking it so personally. Now I don't always get a hundred trust and believe that there's been times that I've had to communicate to the individual. Yeah. That was offensive. Don't know. We're going to bounce back from that. You know, just keeping it 100, but duly noted. (laughs) Yeah. I felt that one, you know, I haven't always gotten, gotten a hundred percent, but I have become more mindful of, um what takes place when someone offends me. And so that brings me to my next thing. Last but not least, be sure to keep your lines of communication open. Tell those around you what you need. Now is not the time to be quiet or silent. When it comes to telling people what you need, even if you need space, even if you need a break, even if you need to woosa. And I've come to realize this. So I'm going to speak to the married people for a minute because I used to be married, for those of you that don't know. And so I could tell you some of the things that you shouldn't do if you want to, you know, have wisdom take place. So one thing that I can recommend a lot of times we have a tendency to, whenever we're upset, we will say things that we don't necessarily, we may have the opinion of it. We may even feel strongly about it, but the way that we deliver it, it's like going for the jugular. (laughs) Jesus, make a covenant vow with yourself, even if you are not there yet to make it with your spouse, that there are certain boundaries that you will never cross when it comes to your anger. That there are certain things that you will never say to your significant other when it comes to being angry. Make a covenant with yourself. Make a vow to yourself that no matter how dark things get, that's a line that you will never cross. Because even when you're dealing with someone who has dealt with trauma, when you are dealing with your life partner or you're dealing with your purpose partner, They're supposed to be your teammate, so to speak. They're supposed to be your better half, so to speak. So when you look at yourself, if you were consciously aware of the damage that you could do to yourself just by the words that were uttered out of your mouth, do you really think that you would take the time out to spew those words out to yourself? Most likely not. So when you're thinking about your significant other, you're thinking about the person that you want to do life with, even if they say or do things that make you upset, learn how to communicate in a way that edifies them and builds them up. Do what we learned or we should have learned in kindergarten. You know how like they say, everything you learn, you learn in kindergarten. If you can't say nothing nice, don't say nothing at all. I'm not saying that you are always going to have something nice to say because that wouldn't be a true statement. But if you have an option to spew evil or wickedness or hatred or indifference, if you have the option to spew that on the person that you say that you love, choose not to do that. Your silence in that moment is golden. If you don't have anything nice to say, if the words that are going to come out of your mouth are going to shut them all the way down, is if the words that are going to come out of your mouth are going to make them go into their shell, if the words that are about to come out of your mouth are going to make them resent you or hate you, don't say them take a moment, if you got to journal it, if you got to record it somewhere else where you could delete it quickly, if you got to go call your best friend, if you got to go call on Jesus, if you got to go call on your pet, do your best not to use the person that you say that you love as grounds for you to be verbally abusive. And the reason why I'm sharing this is because when I look over my past, my entire past, That's something that I failed in miserably in some of my relationships, because any time that I was upset, I would use my tongue was like a sword and I would just get to chopping. You reap what you sow. And the Bible talks about how a contentious its something about like a, a contentious woman. She tears a house down. You're not going to always see eye to eye with anyone on this planet. Let me just go on and tell the whole truth. You're not. To believe that you're going to always see eye to eye with anyone, you are literally deceiving yourself. Because there's people that are going, they have, they've lived their own lives. They're going to have their own experiences and they're just not going to see things the way that you see them. It doesn't make you all the way right. It doesn't make them all the way right. It doesn't, it's not ever a matter of right or wrong, truth be told. And I think that's why we get in a lot of arguments because we're trying to prove how right we are. (laughs) That's a whole nother subject for a whole nother day. But I wanted to talk about that because when it comes to communicating, if you don't know how to communicate, pray about it, read about it, think about it, find a way to do it better. If that is one of your weaknesses, you just don't know how to talk to people. Figure it out for the sake of your peace and for the sake of others' peace. If that is an area that you fall short in is communication, communication. Figure out a way to master in the minor, major in the minor. So if this is something, you know, make that your major, figure it out. But try your best not to hurt the people that mean the most to you. And I know that it's easier said than done, but it's a lot of people Especially with us going through what we're going through with this whole craziness in this world that we take our frustrations out on the people that literally are going to be there when everybody else turns their back. Why would you do that? Because then your cheerleader now has been crushed. And once your cheerleader is crushed, who you got? Because you can barely stand yourself. So consider that. I don't know who this is for because that was not the way I was going, but I hope it blesses somebody. Let me go forward because that, yeah, I guess it needed to be said. But I know that I personally can relate to those times when I literally was not using my words to edify others. Instead, I was using my words to tear people down. And I hate that I was ever that person. But I can talk about it now because I'm no longer that person. So. Tell those around you what you need. Speak your truth and love. Love is what covers the multitude of sins. Love, not hate. Don't spew hate on people just because you're upset. Let that let that just, you know. You know, now's not a time. I'm not in the right headspace. We, can we visit that later? Sure, we can visit that later. Okay. I love you. I love you too. You see how that kind of molds everything over, makes it better for the next conversation? Yeah. <sighs> so, take a deep breath. I know that was a lot. One thing that I have learned how to do is to communicate. I'm so glad I've learned how to do that. And I don't always get a hundred. There's times that I will think something, but then when I go to speak it, not all that I thought is conveyed. So I still have my moments. Um, For those of you that don't know, I am a two-time brain surgery survivor and I currently have a tumor in my brain. So sometimes... All of me is not present. I'm just going to put it like that. I have a few deficiencies, okay? So I try to work with what I got. But um, I'll say something like, honey, I need you to hold my hand. And he'll hold my hand. He'll respond quickly. Um, I don't recall doing this in times past. Instead, like I just shared, I believe I was allowing anxiety and my reaction to anxiety being to be my determining factor like that was what was leading my conversation and it wasn't doing a great job I'm gonna tell you that right now because anxiety stems from fear and truth be told fear is false evidence appearing real And at that time, that false evidence felt so real to me that I was spewing out things that had nothing to do with the reality of things. And so I hurt a lot of people, not intentionally, although it may have felt like it was intentionally. And then I found myself apologizing a lot after I got wind of, this is why she's acting the way she's acting. This is why I'm acting the way I'm acting is because some of that stuff was a chemical imbalance that I was unaware of. But a whole lot of people got hurt. While I was trying to figure it out. So just try not to be that person. And if you are, don't. Don't avoid apologizing. Don't run from it. Don't. That's like apologizing is a form of repentance. It's where you're acknowledging where you do Made a mistake and you're trying to right your wrong. Don't run from apology, apologize. Now, don't make it so repetitious that it's just like your apology don't mean nothing. But I'm just saying, like, if you're going to if you're going to apologize, don't run from that because that is a form of repenting. I know what I said. I did not mean it. I'm going to do better. Now, just don't make it a habit of saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Because then, you know, that's a whole nother. We're not talking about that today. But anyway, that's a whole nother subject. <laughs> You know, just let you yes me, yes, and you know me, no. So, um, but no one knew at the time. So that's the other thing. No one knew when I was doing half of what I was doing and responding half the way I was responding that I, number one, had a tumor in my brain. No one also knew that I was suffering from anxiety. I didn't even know it. But a lot of my conversation back in, in those days was fear-based, not faith-based. Huge difference. So, I'm learning and I have learned how to pay attention to the words that come out of my mouth, my body language, my tone. I don't always get that right because I hear it all the time. My kids laugh at me a lot, but anyway, um, I do have my moments, (laughs) Um, so I have to pay attention to my tone. Um, That's another reason why you need a good support system, because you need people that are going to hold you accountable. So if you do get out of of order, you know, you got someone saying, hey, could you have said that better? Yeah, I think you could have, you know. So... What I've noticed is that my sweetheart pays attention to my body language and he can tell when I am having a panic attack. Now, I've lived with this for so many years that I don't always pick up on it. But when he sees it, he gently addresses it and he does whatever he can to try to calm me down. And sometimes it's instantaneous. Like he just, you know, okay, I could she she's having a panic attack. Hey, you know, let me grab your hand or whatever. And so that's what I mean by surrounding yourself with a solid support system. A few of my colleagues are also a part of that support system. And you'll be amazed at just hearing, hey, Teresa, did you get something to eat today? Have you eaten? Because sometimes you could be under so much stress that you don't even realize that you don't let breakfast, lunch, and nearly dinner pass you by before you're actually grabbing a bite to eat. So I'm grateful for my colleagues. And asking someone if they have eaten anything today might not sound like a big deal to you. But trust me, that has been a big deal to me. Or when someone's like, hey, are you okay?" Because we're so used to saying, oh, I'm good. Everything is fine when it's really not. That's another reason why you should surround yourself with people who truly care. Because when they're asking you if you're okay, you know why they're asking you, right? Because they are picking up on your frequency and they know something is not okay, that you are not okay. So knowing that you can trust them with your truth makes a world of difference too. So, why don't we take a moment? And do just this, breathe. So what I'm going to do is count to five. If you're driving, please do not close your eyes. Um, Just breathe. Don't close your eyes. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) please don't close your eyes. But if you are somewhere in a still place, you are more than welcome to close your eyes. But um, I'm going to count to five. And when I do, I want you to count to five in your head with me. And we're just going to do this real quick. Okay, here I go. So I'm going to breathe in. Take a deep breath. When I count to five, you're going to hear me. And then I'm going to breathe down, which is five, four, three, two, one. And do that three times. We're just going to do it once for the sake of time. So here we go. Oh, let me do it like this. (laughs) Let me try it. Five. No. One, two, three, four, five. Five, four, three, two, one. Okay, (laughs) okay. so try that three to five times, just breathing in, counting to five and then breathing out, counting down from five. While you're still, you can have music in the background, soft music in the background if you want or not. It's up to you. But pay attention to your breathing. I'm literally only showing you that because it's a part of centering yourself. Pay attention to your breathing. And you will be able to recognize if you take time out to just breathe in and then you take time out to breathe out and you do that repetitiously, you will begin to see a change in your frequency. You will be, you'll be able to see the difference in your energy. I don't know what it is or why it is that way, but by your breathing in and breathing out and being mindful of your breathing, you can literally center yourself. And some of the stress that we have on us will just fall by the wayside and it's necessary. If you can make a habit of doing that two to three times a day or whatever however many times you do, a day you need it in order for you to stay centered. Um, that's a great habit to have It's just remember to breathe. It's just that simple. Just remember to breathe. I sent a message out today to my team and I literally put stay calm and remember to breathe because it's something that simple. That makes the world a difference. And so I hope that helps someone. But please, if you're driving, don't close your eyes. Please don't do that. Um, Now, some signs of abandonment issues. I'm going to I'm going to list them so you'll at least know. If you have an um, extreme fear of separation, anxiety, if you are reluctant to commit to anyone fully or to anything fully, if you have a flight mentality if you're quick to move on to avoid being attached to anyone, Um, when you consume yourself with aiming to please other people, when you cannot take criticism at all. In fact, you may be hypersensitive to any form of criticism. When you feel insecure, When you feel unworthy of love, in my opinion, this is why it is of the utmost importance to practice self-love on a daily basis. If you struggle in this area, here's a suggestion. Start off by challenging yourself. I know I did this a few years back where I did I was trying to do a 30-day challenge. I think I only lasted maybe 10 days. But anyway, the whole point was I was literally trying to figure out a way to practice self-love. And that's what I did. And so for you. It may be five days. It may be one day. It may be 10 days. Or it could be 30 days. But each day, do something for yourself. Something as simple as a nap for 30 minutes. Maybe dancing in the mirror for 15 minutes. Maybe soaking in the tub, listening to some beautiful soft music and lighting the candles. Um, Getting your feet done, your hair done, your nails done. Everything did. And last but not least... You become if you know that you're becoming codependent on others, um, and according to the Oxford Language Dictionary, codependence means um, that you have an excessive amount of dependency on a person and/or relationship. Those are signs that you may be suffering from abandonment trauma or issues. So if you desire to overcome abandonment issues, you must be willing to put in the work emotionally, physically, mentally, and spiritually. And although it is understandable how we may want positive reinforcement to come directly from our loved ones, this isn't taking full responsibility for our own emotions. However, when we do take full responsibility for our emotions, which I believe is truly required um, if we want to overcome our abandonment issues, then we may slowly but surely begin to see that it's not as big of a mountain as it once was. Please also understand, this will not be something that takes place overnight, nor is it a guarantee that we will ever be 100% rid of the aftermath caused when becoming a victim of abandonment. However, even when facing our fears head on, Please remember, your happiness is not up to your partner. It is up to you. So you do the work. Do your shadow work. Learn how to evaluate your actions and learn how to evaluate your thoughts. This is going to conclude my episode. So I do hope that this blesses someone, encourages someone. Um, But I did want to write a letter to my future hubby. And it is dated March the 22nd of 2022. Here we go. Whew. Dear future hubby, I am an abandonment trauma survivor. I have made a conscious effort to address this as best as I possibly can. However, this has taken lots and lots of prayer, a lot of shadow work, and most definitely a therapist or two. Actually, until I began to do the work, I didn't even know about abandonment trauma. That's just, <laughs> I didn't even know it was a thing, Whew, I kind of wish I had known about it sooner, only because I could have started working on this area of my life way sooner than now, had I been aware back then. It's possible that I may not have suffered as much. Maybe my past would not have caused so much damage. However, that's probably up for debate for anyone by anyone nevertheless they say when you know better you do better and i must say there appears to be some truth to this statement for me i am doing much better especially because i notice that when i recognize any form of anxiety creeping in i am utilizing the tools i have set in place this is to help me readjust to my atmosphere more quickly i have also taken ownership in a lot of ways to help create a more positive experience on a daily basis This takes effort and conscious awareness. This hasn't been easy for me at all. Although I believe I am worth the effort I am putting into myself to become more whole, I have also learned that blaming others does not aid in my healing. Forgiveness does. And I have forgiven myself for all of the things I could not control, as well as all of the things I could control. I pray that if you have suffered from abandonment trauma, that you also are doing the work, and that you have tools in place to help you overcome. I love you. Love, Teresa. So this is going to officially conclude my episode on today. However, please do me a huge favor and take care of yourself because there is only one you. Don't forget to breathe. (laughs) Signing out, your girl, Teresa. Y'all have a blessed one, and thank you for listening. Bye.